everyone. Good to see you all. Good to see you all. We are going to jump into a topic today that I think is quite relevant to our lives. I apologize. Really, what I should have started with is a little snippet from the Shulchan Arach, uh, where he distinguishes between two different types of workers. Okay, and I'm going to tell you the Hebrew terminology. I'll tell you the what, and then we'll see some of these sources to discuss the why. And what the Shulchan Arach tells us is that there is uh, the Kablan, the kablan is a worker who is paid for getting a certain job done, as opposed to a schir yom. A schir yom is someone who is paid by the hour, okay? So there's someone who gets paid hourly, and there's someone who gets paid to get the job done. Those are the two categories of workers that, is, that are discussed by the Shulchan Aruch. And the Shulchan Aruch distinguishes and says that when it comes to a kablan, a kablan is with certain limitations. But a kablan is allowed to do work for you on Shabbos, do malacha, do prohibited activity for you on Shabbos. Whereas a schir yom, the hourly waged worker, cannot do work for you on Shabbos. And when I say work, I mean forbidden malacha. I mean things which are prohibited to be done otherwise, for you to be done on Shabbos. Okay? Now this is abstract. Okay, let's give an example of each and then we'll give a little more principles and we'll come back to the applications. An example of a kablan would be something like the dry cleaners, right? You go to the drop off your clothes to the dry cleaners. It doesn't matter how big or small of a stain it is. You're paying $4.99 for your blouse, right? It doesn't matter, right? There's a certain set fee and therefore that is a kablan. They are getting paid to get the job done. It takes them three seconds. It takes them 45 minutes. Same pay. Right? A classic example of a schir yom would be someone like a, like a house cleaner. Okay? So they come in and they're there. You pay them by the hour. They get, uh, you know, do they finish the law? You know, is, is the job done by then? Sometimes yes. Sometimes no. They come in. You have, you have five hours. Every, every Tuesday they're going to come in for seven hours, five hours, whatever it is. Whatever jobs they do during that time, great. Whatever they don't do during that time, too bad. Right? That is the classic example of a schir yom, someone who's getting paid hourly. So a kablan, just very broadly, and we'll explain the why in a moment, and we'll give more examples. The kablan, the, like, again, similar to the, 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 someone who's like a dry cleaner, someone who does dry cleaning, they are allowed to do work for you. Malacha, otherwise forbidden work for you on Shabbos, right? Cleaning a shirt is a good example. Cleaning a shirt is forbidden on Shabbos. Whether you use a laundry machine or whether you put some water on it and start scrubbing or even start scrub, we're not going to get into all the details, but cleaning your shirt on Shabbos is forbidden. A non-Jew who is paid to clean your shirt, generally speaking, can do so. We'll see some major exceptions, okay? Whereas if you have someone who comes to your home to help you clean, to go ahead and have them um, clean your shirt, let's just use that as an example, would not be allowed right? Let's say they could do it quietly. They do it in the bathtub and they're not, you know, they're not doing it with any loud machinery, whatever it is. They would not be allowed to do so. Why? Because they are, they are called an hourly waged worker. Okay. So same alacha. One person is allowed to do it. One person is not allowed to do it. The question is why? Why? That's the halacha that's brought down in the Shulchan Aruch. The question is why? And again, we'll get into a number of very, very relevant and practical examples. Okay? Let's see the why, and then we can ask some, some questions, as I'm sure will, will come up. So if you look at source number one, this is a section from the Shulchan Aruch HaRav. Uh, this, by the way, it's a fascinating book. Um, uh, this is written by the first Lubavitcher Rebbe. Okay? He's known as the Baal HaTanya uh, by some, but known, known as the Alter Rebbe, if you're in Lubavitch circles, and uh, which means the old Rebbe. He's the first Lubavitcher Rebbe. He was, you know, he... 
he's known for his leadership of a Hasidic movement, but he also was a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous Talmudic scholar. And they had many unique, the Hasidim had many unique customs, but they didn't have any particular book that spoke to those unique customs and rulings. And so what the the first Lubavitcher Rebbe did was he wrote a book. It was meant to be for all Hasidim and it ended up being much more for Lubavitch Hasidim alone. And it's called Shulchan Arach, like our regular Jewish code of law, but Shulchan Arach HaRav, the Jewish code of law of the Rav. The Rav, the rabbi, meaning the Rebbe, meaning the first Lubavitcher Rebbe. So it's a fascinating book. They actually have, uh, this past week, I, I did a, a, a there's a Smichas Chaver uh, Siyum for Lubavitch, uh, a Lubavitch group. They have 11 Lubavitch groups of Smichas Chaver, which is the, you know, the, the sources you're looking at over here are based on Smichas Chaver, and they have 11 uh, groups of Lubavitch Smichas Chaver, and they have a number, and their, their, their uh, source books are different than the ones that Ashkenazim use, because Chabad has different rulings. So they have their own, you know, someone is was overseeing a whole department for Smichas Chaver, just for Chabad. Anyway, okay, little interesting aside. Still through the OU, yes, yes, Mashiach is coming. The OU and Chabad are getting together. Unbelievable, right? Um, okay. So let's, let's now see what the Shulchan Aruch Rav has to say. Uh, this is not a ruling over here that's particular to uh, Chabad. It just happens to be uh, sourced with him. So, source number one. The individual who works by the hour, their work is not their work. And they have no involvement with the work. The, the work, when you are an hourly paid worker, you have no intent, you don't care about finishing the work per se. The work is not incumbent upon the person to finish. They have no, uh, you know, no benefit in the work being done. Let's say you're getting paid by the hour, right? So, do you really, you know, to, to do some work? Do you really, you know, is it really in your best benefit to, to do the work quickly and get the job done? Not really. On the contrary, the longer you take, the more you get paid. Okay, hopefully you're an ethical person. You're not going to schlep it out. But the point is, I'm sorry about the chairs, everyone. Thank you all for your flexibility today. And thank you, Ellen, by the way, for putting out as many chairs, uh, many chairs before. Thank you so much. Um, so, right, so the individual who works by the hour, they're not, they're folk, of course, hopefully they're ethical. They're, they're doing it. They, they're trying to get the job. But to get the job done is not really their focus. Their focus is just to be there for the hours when the time is up. Time to leave, right? Um, the individual, the non-Jew, is working for the Jew by the hour. Their goal is to work for the Jew the whole day. To get paid. It is as if throughout the entire day, everything they're doing is directly connected to the individual who is employing them. Because they're, all, they're, they're just there to you know, to kill off that time, so to speak, and do whatever you want me to do during that time, whatever the, whatever the boss is asking them to do during that time. Let's see the contrast. I think it'll come a little more clear. Aval hakablan, but the individual who is working per the job, hamalacha hishalo, the work is his. Shekavanaso bavadaso, his intent when he's working, hula hashlim hamalacha, is to finish the particular job, kidelito scharo, in order to get paid, ve'eno kishlucho shal Yisrael. And therefore, they are not like the messenger of the Jew. They're not like the agent of the Jew. Does, do, you see, do you see a little bit of a difference? Let's try to spell this out a little bit more. In other words, when someone is getting paid by the job, as opposed to by the hour, their focus is very much on the job. For that, right? And so they are doing, they, they wanted, so they're trying to get the job done for themselves. They want to finish the job so they can get paid. 
Whereas the person who's there by the hour, their intent is whatever you need me. Their, their intent is not to necessarily finish the to do. Let me, let me, let's, let's, let's talk about the example we gave. Cleaning the, cleaning the shirt, right? So the, the, the person who works uh, in a dry cleaning store, that person wants to get the job done because that's, then they're going to get paid to get the job done. Your cleaning help who is cleaning the shirt, of course, they, they want to finish the job, but ultimately, um, you know, ultimately, they're not doing it for themselves. Ultimately, they're doing whatever you're asking them to do, and therefore, you are, they are your agent in, fin- in whatever job they are specifically being given. And therefore, that work, that job, is completely goes back to you, the boss, the, the Jew, who is instructing them to do so, right? And therefore, therefore, again, let's go back to the principle we started with. A kablan, someone who is getting paid by the job, there is, as we'll see, much more flexibility. You are allowed to ask them to do malacha, since they're not really seen as doing the malacha for you. Whereas someone who's getting paid by the hour... You cannot say, hey, I need to do this job over here because they are doing the job for you. Yes? So there's a new paradigm. My daughter has a service that comes in. I'm going to people, and so they're eliminating the job. One hour, three hours, five hours. They do the house, whatever she's told them. Yeah. But they're being paid by the job. But they're getting paid by the job. They're getting paid by the job. Oh, okay. Interesting. So. And they have a list of, of things. Right, right. So that, that, that's a little trickier of an area. I would venture to say that, that strictly speaking, that would be a... We're going to see there's still some significant limitations on a Kablan, but uh, that would seem to be much more of a Kablan-like job. We'll see there are some, some caveats on that. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, come, we'll come back to... Remind me to, if I don't get there, remind me to get back to that question. Yes? Correct, correct. I think that's one way of looking at it. Correct. Correct. And therefore, it's you. It, therefore, it's connected to you. That's a good way of looking at it. Yes. Excellent. Yes. Um, okay. So let's, let's, let's plug this in. I think when we get through some examples today, I think we'll have a, a, better, a better picture of this. So the next source is the Igris Moshe, is Ramosha Feinstein, who is dealing with the following question. He's dealing with the question of a person who drops off cleaners uh, by the, you know, he drops off clothing by the dry cleaners right before Shabbos. Okay, so it's Friday. Now, typically, they're closed on Saturday. They're closed on Sunday. And you want to drop, pick it up first thing Monday morning, right? Are you allowed to do so, right? Because here, here's one of, the, one of the caveats that we have when it comes to a kablan. Although it's true, although it's true, the job is, is really, it's, it's really them. They want to do it. You can't still ask them to do it for you on Shabbos specifically. I can't ask it on YouTube or on Shabbos. So your typical case, the cleaners, you drop it off on Friday, whatever time, or Thursday. And, and one of the days is Shabbos. They're doing the cleaning on Shabbos. It's not your problem, right? So, so, but you cannot say, or you cannot set up a situation. I cannot, everyone agrees, I cannot drop off my cleaners at the cleaners, my clothing at the cleaners, Friday, a minute before Shabbos, and pick it up right after Shabbos. Right? I remember a situation when someone was, was visiting for Yom Tiv. It was during, typically it doesn't happen for us because they're typically not open Sunday morning, you know, Saturday nights, right? But on Yom Tiv, this sometimes happens, right? I remember a situation where someone came to visit me on, on Yom Tiv and they, they needed a suit for right after Yom Tiv to go to some business meeting. And it was, I, I forgot the time, it, it worked out basically. They were able to drop it off. It was like a Tuesday, Wednesday Yom Tiv, let's say. They drop it off right before Yom Tiv and they want to pick it up right after, right? So everyone would agree that that is forbidden because you're basically, although you didn't say the words, I'm basically saying do it on Yom Tiv, do it on Shabbos, and that's not allowed. It's only when they have time to do it for themselves that's when it's going to be allowed. So Ramosha over here, let's look at source number two. Ramosha is dealing with the case where 
it's not necessarily their typical time to do it, right? Because you're dropping it off Friday right before closing time and you're picking it up Monday morning. So Saturday and Sunday, you know, or even Sunday, you know, so Saturday and Sunday, they're not normally open. And so, or let's say they're not open on Sunday, let's just say, let's say they're open on Saturday, right? So you know they're going to do it on Shabbos, right? Because they're open on Saturday, they're closed on Sunday, right? So are you, what, what's the halacha? So he says like this, a heter kablanus, the allowance when it comes to kablanus, who bishvil shayisrael eno nene, the reason you're allowed to use a kablan is because the Jew is not benefiting from what the non-Jew is doing on Shabbos. Because from the perspective of the Jew, uh, it could have been done, by adding, uh, you know, t- extra, you know, by um, uh, overtime, extra, by adding extra time to the work day during the week, or on Sunday. The only person benefiting from the fact that it was done on Shabbos was a non-Jew. Because for the non-Jew, it's more convenient to work on Shabbos than it is on Sunday. Or it's more convenient to work on Shabbos than it is to do work, stay extra hours, uh, you know, on another day. So basically the situation where even though, okay, you're dropping it off right before Shabbos, right? And you know that the only day they're going to be open is Saturday, right? And, or, and, you know, and, and Saturday, and you're picking it up Sunday morning, right? So I didn't tell them to, open on, to do it on Shabbos, but I know they're going to do it on Shabbos. Says Ramosha, since they theoretically could have done it on Sunday morning, the only reason they're not doing it on Sunday is because they want to be off on Sunday. So that's really them. You're not benefiting from the fact they did it on Shabbos. To you, no different. Shabbos, Sunday, I don't care. It's all the same to me. Such a situation is allowed. Okay, so your cleaners, you drop it off on Friday, you pick it up on Sunday, no problem, even though you know 100% the non-Jew is going to be doing the work for you on Shabbos, as long as you don't set up a situation where they must do the work on Shabbos. Make sense? Okay, so let's think of another couple of uh, practical examples of this. Um, A car mechanic, you drop your car off before Shabbos, right? So as long as you don't set it up where I'm dropping it off the minute before Shabbos and picking it up Saturday night, Monday Shabbos, right after Shabbos, it's allowed right? Uh, maybe they're not going to be doing it on Sunday. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Bottom line is as long as you give them, of course, it has to be a non-Jewish mechanic, but as long as you give them, um, I love Baltimore. We have to make that caveat. It's such a beautiful thing. Really. It's a unique thing. I don't know. I, don't, I, I didn't grow up with that. Okay. Um, so the bottom line is that as long as you give them that allowance of time, as long as they're able to do it at a different time, totally, totally fine. Okay. Another example, a great example is what about dropping off mail before Shabbos. Regular mail, before we get all complicated with Amazon and all that stuff, okay? Regular mail. Could you drop off mail in the mailbox on Friday on your way to Shul? Okay, okay. So that's a fair, right? Fair point. Fair point. Maybe there's, right, but maybe, maybe you're, you leave it on your, in your, you know, uh, your slot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe you can take extra steps. Let's assume it's not. Let's assume he's driving. You know, you live on a cul-de-sac. You're the only person there, the only Jews there, whatever it is. He's driving for you. You know, he's picking it up. Uh, you know, he's going to, you know, so are, are you allowed to drop off mail? Uh, whether you put it on your, on your mailbox or put it in the, in, into the mailbox. You know they're going to pick it up on You're dropping off Friday. They're going to pick it up on Saturday, right? Mail runs on Saturday. Are you allowed to do so? No. So the halacha is you are allowed to do so. Why? Why? Because, I'm sorry? It's similar to the dry cleaners. It's true. You, you cannot go to USBS and say, I can't believe you didn't drop a mail off within three days, right? First of all, <laughs> they ne- you know, it, it, the bottom line is, the bottom, certainly now, nowadays, but the point is, 
I put my mail in the mailbox. It's true. I know they're going to come on Saturday to pick it up. No question about it. That's the day they come. I see the truck making its daily trip. It's going to pick it up on Shabbos. The bottom line is, in theory, they could come on Sunday. The, the, the government has chosen to come on Saturday. I am not asking them to come on Shabbos. I'm not forcing them to come on Shabbos. It, the mail is going to get delivered a few days later, whatever. So it, from my perspective, had they come on Shabbos or had they come on Sunday, it would make no difference. It's all the same. And therefore, I am allowed to drop that mail off on Shabbos itself. Yes. Yeah, so it's a good question. So we have to, you know, typically, the, sorry, the question was, what if there's a doubt, what if there's a possibility that the person doing the deliveries is a Jew? So unless you know that they are a Jew, we're allowed outside of Israel to assume that most people in the world, we make this assumption all the time from different halachos, most people in the world are non-Jews. Right, we sometimes forget that when we live in this little enclave. But, but 99.9, whatever, you know, we're a tiny little fraction. Even in a city like Baltimore, bottom line is most people are non-Jews. And therefore, we could assume that the people we're doing, we were dropping our cleaners off with or picking up the mail are non-Jews. If you know for sure, you know, then, then that's, you know, a different story. But, but you don't have to worry about the fact that they, are, that they are Jewish. You could typically assume, safely assume that someone's non-Jew. You don't have to, like, ask them, interrogate them. You could assume. You could Oh boy. Okay. Yeah, if it's normally done by someone else, then, then yeah, if it's normally done. But if you know it's being done, the question is that she knows that her male person is a Jew. Um, and, uh, or the, the fill-in is a Jew, right? You said the replacement is a Jew, the sub. Okay, so yeah, if you, if you don't know that the sub is going to be sent, you could assume that it's, uh, it's, a, non-Jew. it's, it's a Jew. Yes, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you're not, you might be adding work that they're already doing. Right. But they're not doing anything uniquely for you. So, yeah, it's a fair point. On the way in, that's true. When they're picking up the mail, it's true. On the way out, meaning the delivery, though, there'd be more of an argument to be made if I'm going to that person's house. You know, sometimes I get one piece of mail, right? So, if, if they go and deliver to house X or Y and location, you know, B... That could be work that's just for me, right? So you're right. On the pickup, arguments you made that they're, again, assuming it's not, you're not putting it on your, on your mailbox, but they're picking up a whole thing of mail. It's not really being done for you at all. Never. Unless, let's get to that case now. Let's, let's talk about that case. What about one day delivery, right? So let's talk about Amazon for a second, right? Um, it seems like, uh, I don't know, the, you know there's every, Amazon truck drives around this area like all day long, it just seems, right? So, so what, what's... Are you allowed? So one of the things that Amazon Prime offers is one of the possibilities is one day delivery, right? Sorry. Interesting. Okay. So one day or Saturday delivery, right? So so would you be allowed to do so based on what we're saying? No, absolutely not. Right? You would not. Well, let me let me. Right. So you would not. Right. So if I were to write Saturday delivery, or I'm ordering on Friday and it says one day delivery. So bottom line is, I would not be allowed to do so. However, 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 uh, the good news is that uh, a cu- couple of important things to keep in mind. First of all, oftentimes they'll have like two to three day delivery, right? That's a different story. Then, even though it could be they'll deliver on Shabbos, but they could also be delivering on Sunday or Monday or even just Shabbos and Sunday. One to two day delivery, no problem, right? It's only when it's one day delivery that you have this issue. Yes, sorry. Except that it always says, we'll be 
Ah. Ah, very good. So that excellent points, right? And I was just going to get to this. Yeah. So in the summer, in the winter, excuse me, in the winter, you you would be allowed to do one day delivery, right? Amazon doesn't sleep, and they do often deliver it in the evening, right? And therefore, you would be allowed to do one day delivery for the sake of uh, you would be allowed to do one day delivery because they could end up dropping it off after Shabbos. It's true they might drop it off on Shabbos. That's that, we'll talk about next week, hopefully. What are you, you know, when someone does malacha for you on Shabbos, how long do you have to wait after Shabbos before you benefit from it? Let, let, let's, let's actually take a big step back. Let's say they were, you, let's say you did a, you know, mail, mail drop, you know, you, you did a five-day delivery, whatever it is, regular delivery, no, and they drop it off on Shabbos. You cannot benefit from it on Shabbos, okay? This is a new rule, which we, let's start spelling out a little bit. So although kablanus is permitted, I'm sorry, this is all a lot outside, not so much inside today. Although kablanus is permitted, although you are allowed to ask an Jew to do something without giving them a defined time, Friday, Shabbos, Sunday, you are still not allowed to benefit from it on Shabbos. So let's go back to the cleaners. Let's say you dropped off your cleaners on Thursday. But you know, you walk by the cleaners, you're on your way to, to Shoal, and you walk by shoppers, and whatever it's called now, and you see that they are, and there's cleaners, so they, they're washing your thing. They just finished putting your thing. They put the sheet on. Can you walk in and say, hey, can I take my thing? You prepaid? The answer is no. Not just because of Maris Ein that it looks bad, but because you cannot benefit from the work they did for you on Shabbos. I know that's a really bizarre example. A more typical example would be the mail does get delivered to your house. You cannot have Hana, you cannot have benefits from that mail on Shabbos. Yes. You don't have to change it. No, unless you told them to do that. If they chose, a great question. Yes, you could track it. If they say delivery on Saturday, no problem whatsoever. Uh, no problem. It's, like, it's only when you tell them that, that then it's an issue. Okay. Is there a follow up? Yeah. And then as far as the, the mail coming on Shabbos, mm-hmm. I learned a long time something about that That's another part of the malacha they're doing for you, is that they're likely taking it from beyond the tchum of Shabbos. Now, they're also driving a car for you. They're also stopping, hitting the brake. They're, they're doing a number of malachos for you as well. Yeah, so there's a number of issues that, that cause it to be prohibited. Yes, and then we'll come. Yeah, yes. Shady. Ah, okay, good, good, good. We're going to get to the newspaper, and that's when we get a little bit into what Sarah was touching upon. Maybe that's what we're going to do next week. Or maybe this, we'll do next week. We'll do newspapers, God willing. Uh, but yeah, the newspaper delivery on Shabbos is a, is a very important question um, about what, do you, yeah, we'll get to that. So, so, but yes, these principles are going to play a role. Um, oh boy, we have to wait till next Shabbos, right? Until uh, next Sunday. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, Ellen? Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Good, great, great question. Great question. So I'll tell. So here, here's the question, right? So let's 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 talk about let's talk about situations where you have workers. Let's talk about construction workers. Are they schir yom or are they kablanus? Are they hourly waged or it's about the job? So it's a little tricky. The workers, so it depends where you are on the, on the, on the totem pole, right? So it depends where you are on the hierarchy, right? The person you are working with is a kablan. The person you're instructing, 
the job is done. You don't care. The, the, you and you are building a house or, or remodeling your kitchen or whatever. You're not paying them by the hour. Uh-uh. You get the job. It doesn't matter how. I'm going to pay you when the job is done, typically, right? If you're, again, you're, you're, right, that's, your, that's the arrangement most, most often. It's true. The person you're working with, go, the contractor goes ahead and may hire people to do the menial labor, you know, they're going to do all the, all the stuff while they're going to walk around, right? And basically that's, that's the, so those people are getting paid hourly, but that's not your relationship. Your relationship is with the Kablan, right? So, so on the, now here we have a new principle. So on the one hand, there's an argument to be made. Hey, um, let's say I have construct, I want to get something, some construction work done in my house, whether I'm there or not, we'll come to whether I'm there or not. Let's start with, I'm in the house. Okay. And they're doing some work in my house. So uh, it's a Kablan type of relationship. Are you allowed to have construction workers working on your house on Shabbos? The answer is no for two possible reasons. One, one is there is a general prohibition, even with a kablan, of anything that makes noise. Okay? Anytime that we, we spoke about this a little bit with the dishwashers, right? Even, right? Anytime that someone is doing something that makes excessive noise. So if they are like drilling or anything of that nature, that's already going to be out no matter what. Okay? That's, there's this general prohibition of avsha milsa. If you're making a ruckus, there's a problem, okay? So any loud construction is certainly out. What about painting, right? They're in the basement. No one even knows they're there. There's two people there. They're in the basement. They're painting. It's quiet. So there's another issue that comes up even with a kablan, and that is if it's a situation where there is a shash, there is a concern that people may think that you instructed them to do so, then it's also prohibited. There's, it's a form of, mar- exactly. It's a form of marasayan. Exactly. Exactly. So therefore, let's say you have those painters in the house. Now, certainly if they're your painters, then they might be a skiriyom, right? If you hire those painters, you probably are hiring them by the hour. But let's say you're, you're, you're working with a contractor and you're paying for the job to get done, right? So there's no issue of the payment of the job. They, they just don't want to work on Sunday. They want to be off on Sunday. So they're doing it for themselves. They're not doing it for you. But the concern is if they're working in your home, people, and even if they don't see it, again, when it comes to Marasan, we spoke about this a little bit the other week, even if no one's coming in your home and you don't let anyone in, bottom line is any situation where it could be construed that you instructed them to do so, it would not be allowed, right? So, yes, go ahead. Ah, good. Um, so, so this, so, so, yeah. So, so this, this, this happened to me a little while ago. So we we moved in next door, and uh, we they had a very tight deadline when we had to move out our old house, move into the new house, and we wrote in our contract: no working on Saturday, Friday night from sundown to Saturday night to you know nightfall, whatever. And uh, and uh, Friday night, I'm. I'm I went to like some Shalom Zachar and I come, it's like 10.30 at night. It was like the week before we moved. And sure enough, there's a light on in, in the house and there's some painters, right? Um, so I kicked them out. I kicked them out of the house. Um, I, I don't know if they, yeah, I kicked them out of the house. You have to kick them out. They, they, can't, they cannot be doing work for you on, uh, on, on, on Shabbos, right? So that, that would all be included in this. So again, with Kablanos, so typically Kablanos would typically only be allowed in a scenario where it's being done outside of your house. It's almost impossible. It's very hard to find an example. There's maybe some examples where everyone knows that there's no way you told them, or not that there's no way, but it's not typical that you told them to work on Shabbos. Your contractor, it's in your best interest for them to be doing the work on Shabbos, right? Because you want your kitchen, you want your home to be ready as soon as possible. So anyone walking by could very likely think that, you know, they, uh, they asked you to do this. My, my, my a colleague of mine in, in New York told me that he was getting some work done in, in his house, and the contractor said... Um, 
So I know Saturday's coming up. Do you want me to work in your house quietly and not tell anyone? You know, like that, that was like the norm. Like, no, that's like, but that, you know, but basically, no, because people are doing this. People are saying, do it. They know they don't want people to see, right? Because it's in your best interest to get it done quickly. So the bottom line is with Kablanas, typically, typically, it's only going to be allowed outside of your house, right? Let's say a plumber is a good example, okay? Now, let's put this out there. If you have a major leak on Shabbos, Hefstad Maruba, great loss, you'd be allowed to ask a non-Jew, right? Um, so we're not talking about that situation. We have some plumber, you called the plumber a week ago, and they say, I'm coming on Saturday, right? So, so even there, right, there's a concern. So the bottom line is they're getting paid to get the job done, right? So that's a typical case of Club Lennis. They're not making any noise, right? The problem is that it could be construed as you told them to come on Shabbos. The outsider doesn't know that they had a seven-day window. The outsider thinks you told them to come on Shabbos. So typically, these kablanas things will typically only be allowed outside of the home. Okay? We're catching all the principles? Sorry? Yeah, so typically, so typically, I want to come back to that. I know we keep on asking that question. Typically, the answer would be no, right? Because, be, sorry? A, it's loud. And B, you know, again, it, people could think, maybe you told them to come on Saturday. Now, there's an argument to be made, maybe not, but it's certainly loud. There's one interesting exception, and then we'll, we'll, we'll summarize with some principles. Uh, one interesting exception is that with kablanos, that's outside of the Jewish community. Okay? This comes up rarely, but it comes up once in a while. Let's say you are a contractor, right? And you have workers doing a job for you. Or you have a, a property that is not within the Jewish area, right? And you're paying a contractor to get the job done. Right? So there, there, there's an argument to be made that, uh, and, and, and a valid argument to be made, that they could do the work for you. Right? It's not typical for, I think, for many of us, but this guy, you know, I have someone who's in, in, uh, in, in construction. So, uh, you know, he had a job that he really needed to get done over Yom Tiv, you know, and, but te- technically they could have done it a little after Yom Tiv, but it was a weekend. And so he basically changed his pay model with his employees. I told him basically instead of paying them by the hour, which was his typical pay model, I said, come up with a lump sum. Tell them you're paying them the lump sum. And he said, get the job done by Monday morning. Okay? And so this was, this was in like Pennsylvania somewhere, right? It wasn't anywhere in the... So the whole Kablan being doing, doing work on your area is a Maris Ayan type issue. If it's, it's an area which is completely not within the Jewish community, then this issue of Maris Ayan as it relates to, to Amir La'akum does not apply. So in this situation, this construction, you know, this construction job was able to be done. Um, again, they had a window of time. They could have done it on the weekend, on like Sunday, they probably didn't want to, but they, you know, and they probably did it over Yumtiv, uh, you know, over Yumtiv. Uh, but the bottom line is they had enough time. They weren't paid by the hour. They were paid for the job. 100% fine. Right? Everyone with me? Okay, so let's quickly summarize. Um, Schiriom, anyone who's getting paid by the hour, you know, typically that's, that's cleaning help, um, you know, but, but anyone who's getting paid by the hour, they cannot do any work for you, um, any malacha for you on Shabbos, whether it's in your home or it's in their home, by the way, right? I just want to clarify that. If it's your cleaning help and you say, listen, I need this shirt cleaned, you can't do it in my home because it's Shabbos. So they take it to their home to clean it. It's also forbidden. It's also forbidden because they're still your agent. I know it's a weird example, but it would still be, that, that would not be a good loophole. It would still be forbidden in such a case, right? A kabzoschiryom basically cannot do any forbidden malachos, typically. A kablan, someone who's getting paid for the job, could do malacha, typically not on your home, assuming you live in a Jewish community, right? And as long as they have enough time to do it outside of Shabbos or Yom Tiv. Yes, Shelly. Yeah, great. So, so those exa- so the, the same would depends on the plumber. That might be true for the plumber as well. Those are all seen as kablanos, meaning the freelancer. If they say, you know, I tried really hard, but I just I couldn't pull it together. Could you pay? You know, I, I don't think 
maybe it's not, you typically wouldn't get paid. You need to, you're, get, you're getting paid for the job, right? So, so even though their, their pay scheme is, is based on the time they put in, the bottom line is it's work-related. You know, it's, it's basically about the work, and therefore we see that as a kablan. Okay, there's one possible example. Ramosha Feinstein has a tshuva about a live-in uh, cleaning help. Okay, so basically our live-in, whatever. And basically there, they're, they're, they, he says that is essentially a Kablan type of relationship, or at least it's understood, you know, they could take off hours when they want. They're not there. You know, you're typical when you bring in like some cleaning help, they have five hours. I want you here on Saturday from three, you know, two to five, whatever it is. But with someone who's a live-in, they take off, they may, you know, obviously sometimes you say, I need you here at this time, but they take off their hour, they take hours off. So Certain malachos, so he gives an example, let's say like folding laundry, which may be biblically, you know, might be rabbinically prohibited in certain scenarios, uh, they'd be allowed to do on Shabbos because, you know, everyone understands the living has like a regular routine and everyone understands you didn't tell them necessarily to do it on Shabbos. And so a live-in might be an exceptional case where if the malacha they're doing, it's kind of part of a regular routine that they're doing on a regular basis. Um, and since they're kind of working on their own hours to some extent, because they could come and go and they, they have to get certain jobs done, but, you know, they don't have to be, you know, unless they don't have to be there the entirety of Shabbos. They could, you know, they want to get their job done on Shabbos. They could go out on Saturday night or something like that. So that might be an exceptional case where there's a little bit more allowance. Again, they can't do anything loud. They can't, you know, they can't do a vacuum cleaner. They can't use a vacuum cleaner. It's pretty limited in terms of the ability, but Ramosha says that maybe a live-in would be, would be a different type of scenario. Okay. Any questions? Any thoughts? Yes. Yes. Everything we're saying here is applicable to Yemtiv. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, okay. So that's the, that's the, the, the big, the, the, the main thing. So again, one day delivery forbidden, regular delivery, fine. There's one important exception. This comes up sometimes. Sometimes you need like a delivery. I know this has happened in the past. People have, uh, you know, they're traveling right after Shabbos and they need their passport sent from, you know, X, you know, to their home so they can leave it after Shabbos, right? Problem is it's Friday when they realize their passport's in uh, whatever and they're going to have to get a one day. The only way they could get to their destination is one day delivery. Can you do so? Right? So, so what do you think? Let's think of the principles we learned. When you call, when you make a, a, a mail delivery, uh, who, who are you speaking to? You're not speaking to anyone, typically. Sorry? A machine, right? Maybe, the, maybe you're going to like the place over here in uh, Greenspring, you know, and you're, and you're speaking to the person behind the counter. Are they the ones delivering your object? Absolutely not, right? So what we, we, if you recall, we saw that it's very briefly, there's something called Amira La Amira, where I tell someone to do something, I tell a non-Jew to do something, and they're telling another non-Jew to do something. Right? We said that in the case of Hefsid Maruba, a situation of great loss, I am allowed to do so. Okay? So, right? So basically, Amir la Amira, there are, there's one opinion who says that if I, that I'm allowed, there's one opinion out there, we don't rule like this. There's one opinion who says that Amir la Nachri, that, that there's a prohibition of telling a non-Jew not to do something. But if I tell one non-Jew to tell another non-Jew, I could do anything. We don't rule like that, right? That would like open the door to everything. However, we do rely upon that in a case of a great loss. In a case of a great loss, then I'm allowed to do so, right? So in a situation of a great loss, I'd be allowed to tell one person who would then go ahead and tell another person and that would be okay. So says the Orcha Shabbos, says the Orcha Shabbos, if you look at source number three, Kasav HaShvos Yaakov, uh, he's referring to this exact case where I need to get a letter, I need to get something sent to me, one day delivery. We could say that it's permitted. Mishum Amira La Amira, because the fact that it is Amira La Amira, Vahainu in this situation Shisholeacha Mikhtav, Eno Mitzavib Ofen Yashirlanachri Hamolachas a Mikhtav Leholicho. I am not instructing the one sending the letter directly. 
He's speaking to the workers. I'm speaking to the, to the one in charge. And they go ahead and instruct the next level to go send it. Again, it's only in a situation of great loss. So yeah, great loss is somewhat subjective, but it's a case, you know, again, a person's traveling and they're going to miss their trip because they don't have their passports or you don't have your, I don't know, your COVID results. I don't know, come up with a scenario where the only way to get your, your test results is through, you know, I don't know, something which is going to be delivered to your house on Shabbat, whatever it is, anything along those lines is going to be allowed because it's, that's enough to be considered to have some aruba if it's going to cause you a significant, uh, significant uh, bother, significant pain. Yes. Yeah, we typically see that as a mirror la mirror because the machine, there's no way, unless, unless you're on like a small time business where your machine is just like, meaning if I'm dealing with like a, you know, a, a mom and pops like type of store. So yeah, when I go on that machine, the person behind the machine is the person who actually goes ahead and deliver it. But your typical FedEx, Amazon, whatever it's going to be, it's not that it's the machine. It's not that it's the machine. The point, like, if I communicate to you through a machine, I'm still communicating to you. It's that we could assume that there are layers of, of workers and people are in different positions, and so there's no way that your direct instruction went straight to that person. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Okay, we got through this easier than, uh, faster and easier than I thought. Um, okay, so basically, these are some of the basic rules of uh, having people work for you. I think we covered most of Oh, sorry, I think we covered most of that. Um, there's one interesting uh, uh, thing to think about. A, a very, um, you know, in Israel, this comes, comes up more. I'm surprised we haven't done this yet in America. In Israel, in certain communities, they have people that they hire as the community Shabbos guy. Okay? The community as the person who's going to do work for them on Shabbos. Now, here's the challenge. Okay? So basically, if someone in the neighborhood, they pay them, listen, you're on call from, you know, sunsets to nightfall. We're going to be knocking on your door for different things. And they need it because there's, there's no one around. There are other, unless they be paying someone to be available to do so. Okay. Now, here's the challenge. The challenge is how do you define that person's role? Are they a kablan or are they a schir yom? Are they an hourly worker or are they being paid for, like, to get a job done? They're more like an hourly worker. It's true, each job they need to get done. But, but basically, you're saying you're on the clock, basically. You're like, I need you to be available from this time to that time, Right? I pay them for the time. I'm not certainly not paying them. Yeah, I'm paying them. I'm paying them. I need you available for Shabbos. Shabbos starts then, and then I need you available for that time. So in such a situation, let's think this through. So I have a schir yom. He's an hourly worker, okay? And his whole job is to be helping me with different things I need for Shabbos. So if I need him for someone who's sick, okay, that's not a big deal. Because anyway, someone who's, I'm allowed to like ask someone directly for someone who's ill, right? Or any situation of like a great law, any situation where we're allowed to tell an Andrew explicitly, that's fine. The problem is we, we spoke about a number of situations where, uh, you know, it's more a matter of convenience. Let's say, uh, let's say we spoke about a scenario where I want to go to sleep at night and I left my lights on. Happens, right? You want to go to sleep. It's hard for you to sleep with the light on. Is that a, is that a medical need? No, typically, sorry? Turning on the lights, right, right. We saw, we saw it's different. Turning off the lights is different. So if, if I, if I want to go to sleep and the lights are on in my house, what am I allowed to do? Little review over here. I'm allowed to go to my non-Jewish neighbor and say, my gosh, I left my lights on. It's so hard for me to sleep, All right? And, what, and so I said, it's, we, we call that remiza shelo bederech tzivoy. It's a hint without any level of instruction. I told him a story. I told him a story. He says, oh, your light's on, no problem. He comes and turns the lights off. 100% fine, 100% fine, okay? That, that, that's just one of many examples where it's not, your, you know, not a great need, but I'm allowed to do these types of things. 
if I have a schir yom though, right? Sorry. And why am I allowed to do so? Why am I allowed to? Let's, let's, let's do again. Some more review. Why am I allowed to tell a story to a non-Jew? Right? If I tell a non-Jew explicitly, can you turn off my lights? Am I allowed to do that? Absolutely not. Right? So why am I allowed to hint in the form of a story? Because in doing so, they're no longer my agent. Right? In doing so, I, they, they're not seen as connected to me. They're seen as separate from me, right? Basically, they're not do- they, they heard my story and they're like, oh, they felt bad. They did it. As opposed to when I hint to them or I tell them, then they're my agents. But if you're my schir yom, if you're already my agent for the day, then we have a problem. So if you have someone who is hired for you for the day, and then you go to that person and you say, hey, my light's on. It's very inconvenient for me. So it's true I didn't say anything, but they're already connected to me. Regard, independent of the words that I said, they're already there to work for me, and therefore everything that they're doing is for me, right? Anything that has relationship to me is for me. And therefore, even though I didn't, I hinted it in the appropriate fashion, at the end of the day, I, they, they, at the end of the day, the, the words, they are still seen as my agent, and therefore it would be forbidden for them to close the lights, even though I didn't say so explicitly, right? So this comes up for us, you know, again, we don't honestly have such a setup, but let's say you have a, a, some cleaning help who comes on Shabbos. Totally fine, by the way. Okay, let's just put that out there. It's totally fine to have cleaning help come to your house on Shabbos to do things like wash dishes, assuming, you know, to wash dishes, right? And again, you can say wash dishes. They can wash dishes with cold water. They choose to use the hot water and the sponge. That's where right? we spoke about this other week. That's fine. Yeah, they're there to, to sweep the floor, you know, to, to do basic cleaning, which is non-malacha uh, related or something which could be done in a permitted fashion and could be done in a forbidden fashion. We said all those things are fine, right? So you're allowed to have your, some cleaning help at your house. But they are a schir yom. They're an hourly worker. So you cannot turn to them and say, hey, the light's on in my room. Uh, I'm having a hard time sleeping the same thing because they are already your your agents and therefore in such a case the fact that you're hinting the fact that you're not telling a story doesn't sever the cord there's still a cord you're still attached to one another they're still your agents and therefore you cannot do so with them right so meaning for example let's use this example for a second um uh um you know, we, we have over here in our show, let, let's assume in our show that we are stringent about the fact that, uh, you know, we, we spoke a, a little before about, um, let's use this example. In a show, in a show, Janet, you know, we finished, uh, we finished uh, a, a, a um, we finished a kiddish, we finished uh, for the day, and it's like, a, you know, we're going to be gone for the next 12 hours, okay? So we're about to leave. And I, can I turn to the custodian and say, hey, you know, the lights are on over here. It's really bright, you know, uh, they're not being used. Am I allowed to do that to the custodian? Is there any heter whatsoever to do that to the custodian? The answer is no, right? We saw that there's an allowance for the sake of a mitzvah, for the sake of a masses. But if we're all leaving, the only reason I'm doing this is to save the shul five bucks, right? That's not the need of the masses. I'm allowed to say, right, we saw we, there's some leniencies to say turn the lights on for our usage, but to turn the lights off, there's no allowance for such a thing, right? So I would not be allowed to go to our custodian and say, hey, you know, the lights are on. It's uh, such a silly waste of money. Um, sorry, what, what I would be allowed to do, though, is go to the guard. Because what's the guard? Is the guard here to do anything during that time? No. The guard has a very specific job, hopefully to stand outside and look intimidating and to make sure that people are not coming in. So if I go to the guard and say, you know, these lights are on. So it's just a silly waste of money. I can't believe you have the lights on. That would be fine. Right? You hear what's going on over here? If I go to the custodian, they're already my agents. And therefore, even if I'm hinting, if there's no other allowance, it's, I'm not allowed to do that. But if I go to someone who has a very particular job, right, that's not in any way related to the lights, I mean, he'd look at me like I'm crazy, be like, okay, he's a nice guy. He'll come in, right? That's totally fine. Yes, Shelly. Okay, no, that's true. 
Fair? I'm, I'm not sure if that would be included in Tzorchei Rabin. Meaning we have a very particular allowance, although one could make an argument, hey, that's the needs of the masses. But Tzorchei Rabin is as a very defined parameter that there are a group of people who have an immediate need from this. So while there might be trigger effects, whatever, but, but Tzorchei Rabin means there's a group of people who need this thing right now. And that means they need the benefit of this. It's not, it's as opposed to like more of a secondary benefit or even a primary benefit, which is just not happening right now. So I think there'd be a distinction to be made that would be hard to define that, I think, under the regular parameters of Tzorche Rabim, saying that we want it for our shul, we want it for, for the population, whatever it might be, that's not the same as I need these lights on for my usage right now. So I think that distinction might be made. Yes, Lisa. So then when they hire someone in Israel for yeah. Ah. Good. 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 So, so let's so let's look at the Orcha Shabbos. Yes. And so he they, they come up with a clever way of getting around this issue. So if you look at source number four, it says like this: Nira When you hire this person to be in your community, ain Lomar lo Don't say explicitly. Don't say explicitly that whenever a Jew comes to you and they want you to, and hints to you to do it. Don't say that. When you hire this person, tell them you're hiring them for the sake of sick people, for the sake of women who are giving birth, for scenarios where you would be, limit their job. Make your Shabbos guy, you know, equivalent to the, to the, uh, to the guard as opposed to the custodian. Don't tell them their job is open-ended. If their job is open-ended, then even when you're hinting in a way that normally is allowed, it's not going to help. So give them a very particular limited job. Your job is to be there for the people who are ill or potentially at risk. And then someone else comes and says, hey, could you, uh, you know, it's very light in here. That's not part of their job. Now the relationship to that job is a very different one. So it's a little bit of a shtick. It's a little bit of a, of a, of a leniency. But that's the, the way that the communities get around such a thing, um, you know, by basically giving them a very particular job, which is, by the way, it's not such a shtick. It's true. Meaning, if the only reason that you would need this person to be in your community is to turn off lights so people could sleep, no one's paying them. The reason you have these people in the community is for situations of need. So it's not a lie. It's true. You're just, you're just being explicit about the framing, and you also know that there's going to be other people who are going to come along and use it for convenience. So it's not, again, it's not like a lie.